On the block, on demand. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the Crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me want to shout. McCoy in the backfield takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They'll look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome. What's happening, Mohawk Valley? Great to have you along for the ride today. You can uh, listen wherever you go, whatever you do, on the ESPN app. That is a terrific way to stay in touch, especially this time of year. Summertime. I just came back from a two-week vacation yesterday. Uh, FYI, I'll be off tomorrow. I know. I just took two weeks off. I'm taking another day off. It's not a day off, though. It is a working day. I'll be on assignment, as we say in the business. And by the way, you are, uh, dare I say, take. I'm going to take a leap of faith on this. You're really going to enjoy what said assignment is. I can't say anything about said assignment. Ooh, it's a secret. I can't say anything about it now, but uh, you will enjoy it when it sees the light of day. So I will not be here tomorrow, but uh, for the most part here and ready to roll and back at it, back in the swing with Training camps underway and lots of Syracuse football to get into and all the usual rhythms of things we get into here in August where it's football season, but it's not quite football season, but it's good enough for me and it's good enough for you. And just those final days of killing time till football season, which is essentially what summer is, 24 days until Syracuse football kicks off against Western Michigan, right? But you're still taking time off. You're still, you know, going to camp and going here and going there. And, and that's great. You should do these things. And enjoy yourself. But you can still listen to the program via the ESPN app. Just put that app on your phone. Hit the Listen tab. Find ESPN Syracuse or ESPN Utica Rome. And then you can take us with you wherever you go. And we like to go places, so please do that. Here's how you get in touch with the show today. 437-7644. That's the phone number. You can uh, hit Twitter, Brent Dax Media. Brent Dax Media on Twitter. You can also use the On the Block text line. To text the program, 288-0644 is how you do that. So, that's how you get in touch. That's how you listen. What's happening on the show today? We have two guests that will join us today. I I just, I am very excited to talk to John Jastrzemski today. I'm always excited to get terrific baseball insight and terrific insight on the New York sports world and to hear the musings of one John Jastrzemski. But look, I am a professional, and if you think I'm a little more excited to talk to J.J. today because the Red Sox just swept the Yankees over the weekend, I mean, how dare you suggest a thing? You're 100% right. You are 100% right, and that's 
pretty much the only reason we're going to have J.J. on today. Like, I may just get J.J. on, ask how his weekend was, hear J.J. do his J.J. thing, and I just might be satisfied with that. Maybe we'll talk a little Yankees, maybe a little Mets, maybe Jets-Giants training camp. I don't know, but I just might hang up after I get the answer about how J.J. uh, navigated a sweep by your Boston Red Sox over the Yankees this weekend. So we'll have uh, J.J. on right here in this hour, about 15 minutes from now. Football, 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 Cruton, Cruton, Cruton. That's what we do with Mike McAllister, our buddy from Cuse Nation. He will join us in the next hour of the show. Looking forward to that. Hot takes as usual. Jerry Jones gets a dose of his, I wouldn't say his own medicine, but a little taste of, um, how can I put this? Uh, You better do as you say. Because if you don't, someone's going to find it and do a commentary about it. And it's a really good commentary. So we'll get into that. LeBron James strikes back. The shut up and dribble comments. Found very interesting. We'll get into that during hot takes. Plus, grown men, adults, making signs in support of Urban Meyer at a not-so-well-attended, thankfully, rally last night at Ohio State. But the fact that this took place... Kind of shows you where we're at today. So we'll get to that during Hot Takes. The annual Syracuse Crunch street hockey game is coming up. Now, as you know, tragically, Team Axe fell by a goal last year. Putting a mere pause, just a a quick blip on the dynasty of street hockey dominance that Team Axe We'll surely have from here on out, right? You got to have like the redemption story in there. You just can't win every single year. You just, you know, you've got to throw a little twist in the story there. So that they triumphantly return to victory. You know, even Golden State took a step back and said, okay, LeBron, go back to Cleveland, have your little championship. It'll be a great story. And then they came back and, stomped you the next year, right? Surely what Team Axe will do in the annual Syracuse Crunch street hockey game coming up this Saturday where you can see a bunch of out-of-shape media people who talk about sports reinforce to you that that's all we should do is talk about sports, report on sports, and not actually do the sports. So we're looking forward to that. We'll have some fun with that throughout the week. Our championship team has been assembled. Nico Tamurian, of course, the Inferior opponent in the street hockey game to Team Axe, spending too much of his time making clever internet videos and GIFs and taking pictures of his dog. Meanwhile, we have been working night and day behind the scenes, sharpening our street hockey skills, putting together a championship team to make it all right in the world again in street hockey dumb. So we had a lot of fun with that draft today, and we'll Keep you updated on that throughout the week, because I know you're on pins and needles about that. You're just very excited about this. But I, I do want to start with some Syracuse football. And, you know, yesterday we came back, and it's the first time since I've been on the air for two weeks, and we had a few guests, and it was a busy show, and we kind of covered a lot of ground. It's always like that when you come back from vacation. There's just all these things swimming in your head, and then you kind of get back into the rhythm of things. And, you know, look, we've got some time here, right? Today, as Dino Babers tells you, was the first day this team – put pads on you know uh football practice started today it was good to get them on the guys were eager to do some live stuff 
we can't we've got to we got to pace that stuff out we just can't do it every single day but we had some uh, periods where we let them go a little bit and it was fun uh, we had some owies but we didn't have any major injuries and that's always good some owies at practice today so you know you hit those benchmarks first time they put on pads and there's just a rhythm to training camp and how it goes but i mentioned it we're we're 24 days away from the opener it's just over three weeks. It's a lot of practice time. There's a lot of time there where basically you just want to get through these next few weeks without any major injuries. Big-time news from training camp is usually falls in the category of that. And we heard a couple of key players on defense, and you know coaches are very careful. They're very cloak and daggery about injuries these days, and Dino Babers is uh, certainly no different in that case. Thanks, Brent. Thank you, Coach. That Alton Robinson on defense and Kendall Coleman on defense said, you know, they had some owies, as Dino put it. And if you don't think we're going to make a sound bite out of that, you, you do not know this show very well. But they'll be fine, right? It's not one of these, you know, you had to put out a press release kind of thing, had to indicate that they're out for the season, out for a significant period of time. And so you just, you kind of navigate through that. But there's something that came up on the show yesterday that was kind of a, a passing comment made by our, our friend Seth Everett, who we have brought on to host our postgame show here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. And we were hanging with Seth in the studio, and I saw a couple of people kind of come at me on Twitter, not in a, in a, in a fierce way. I mean, come on, it's my first day back from vacation. Be gentle about it. But I thought they made an interesting point. And, see, every year you kind of draw the line, Right. And you say, well, this is the expectation for this team this year. And I find it interesting that some will say, well, why set your goal at six wins? And I brought this up. I talked a couple weeks ago to Sam Heckle, did a podcast with Sam, who is just an unbelievable young man. What he's going through, uh, he has a rare, and I told this story before the break, but if you you didn't hear and and, and are not familiar, so Sam Heckle is an offensive lineman for the Syracuse football team, of course. Played all 12 games last year and, you know, a part of what is one of the more experienced offensive lines that this team has. There's a lot of experience. There's a lot of talent. This offensive line is in a comfort zone. It's got, you know, questions at wide receiver and you got two great quarterbacks and you need the running game to step up. But I think the offense is in a good place. Julian Wiggum was also in studio with us yesterday. And that's what we talked about, kind of the comfort level of the offense and the, the confidence that's there, right? So Sam has an amazing story to start with, as I mentioned. He has a rare blood disease that requires him to go to, in this case when he's in Syracuse, Golisano Children's Hospital every three weeks. He has what is a near 14-hour procedure that completely wipes him out because he has to, his disease, I'm not a doctor, I just play one on the radio, but basically he can't produce plasma, like he can't produce platelets in his blood, he can't do a, that's how rare it is. It's so rare, in fact, that doctors thought he was the last person that had this disease. Less than, like, I think 150 people in the country have it. So just goes to show you what he's fighting through just to be a college student, let alone be a college football player. But we talk football in that conversation, too, and I, I, I said it to Sam, and I know that football players are trained to answer this way, and I said, well, this is a team that I think a lot of people think can go to a bowl game. How do you guys approach that? And Sam's answer was what you want a player to say. Well, we're, we're out to win a championship. We're not putting the bar 
at just making a bowl game. And I've recently uh, heard some comments from Eric Dungy that are on the same realm. Well, that we don't look at it that way. Why well, draw the line there? We we think bigger than that. Of course, Dino Babers has been asked about that. And I think Dino, one thing that he does well is he'll say those things. He will put it out there. He will say, I'm a coach. And, and I'm paraphrasing here. I'm not quoting him directly. But he's careful to say, well, we shouldn't draw the line there. But he's also... Someone who will answer your question. And for example, I don't have audio of this, but he did an interview with our good friend Damon Amendolora on CBS Sports Radio yesterday. And that was brought up to him. And he was real about it, saying, we'll get there. We have the team that can get to a bowl game. That's the next step. We know that's the next step. Like, he will recognize that that is not where we feel that's the ceiling, but we know that's how the fans are, are looking at it. But one point that was brought up, and I thought it was a fair one, by both Seth and Julian in our Syracuse football conversations yesterday was that last year's team, while it did not make a bowl game, and that's the cold hard truth, and they're 4-8, and eight, and that's the record, and you can't get around that, were dancing, towing that line, and did enough to prove that they could have gotten there. No, they didn't. The defense fell apart. Eric Dungy did not play the last few games of the season, as has been too often the case the past couple of years. They didn't get there, and they've got some issues they've got to fix, and I'm not trying to make excuses for it. But the response I got from a few of you on Twitter when I brought up this year was, well, what if they don't make a bowl game, but there's an uptick? There is a sign of progress. There is something that you can grab onto. Not just you're not being sold, hey, stay with us, trust the process. Like there's something you can grab and say, no, I believe you're getting there. And the response I got a few people was, I don't think fans would accept if they didn't make a bowl game this year. Fans wouldn't say, hey, way to go, even though you're 5-7. and seven. And I wonder if that is the collective feeling out there. Because I think what Dino Babers has, has bought himself is a lot of collateral. I think he's bought himself a lot of faith, and he uses that term a lot, right? It's about results. It's about winning. It's about all those cliches you can throw at me here, but... You beat Virginia Tech, you beat Clemson, you've done a number of things that make you say, I don't have to trust a process. I've seen it done. So while I get the next step in the process here is a bowl game, is six wins, I think it's fair to want that. I think it's fair to expect that, even though a lot of the predictions are putting Syracuse not only last in the Atlantic Division, but last in the entire ACC, and people look at well, the defense and the linebackers and scheme change there and, you know, a lot of patterns that we've seen because this is the other side of the, of the coin. This hasn't been just bad luck. It's been a pattern that your starting quarterback hasn't finished a season, that your defense has fallen apart in the latter half of the year and things that aren't just circumstantial, aren't just woulda, coulda, shouldas. The woulda, coulda, shouldas were good in that you were competitive with Miami, competitive with LSU and competitive with Florida State, and showed, hey, there is progress there. The ultimate progress, though, would be, let's get to a darn bowl game. And then you completely put aside any circumstantial discussion here. It's like, no, they made a bowl game. But I think it's fair to say you can't go 4-8 and eight for a third straight year, because then it all just becomes noise. 
even if you do a lot of the same things you've done the past couple of years, show that you were competitive with this team and things that fans that watch game in and game out can grab onto and say, I feel good about. And I, like if this team goes four and eight again, but do it in a way, maybe not the exact pattern because no two seasons are alike. But let's say they go four and eight again. They spring a big upset this year. They are competitive with some of the better teams on their schedule, like let's say Notre Dame and Florida State. And I think Clemson's just out for blood when they go to Clemson this year based on that upset last year. But put a lot of the same patterns in this year that were there last year that made you feel good about this team, but they're four and eight again. Like there's not going to be an outcry to fire Dino. There's not going to be, because Scott Schaefer didn't make it three years. Right, they made a change, and that was a lot of you know new AD comes in, and timing is everything in life, and you know. But that's what's great about training camp is sometimes like we know exactly what the expectation is, and I think it's going to boil down to six wins. I think it's going to boil down to bowl game. I think you know by the time we get to Western Michigan, twenty four days from now, I don't think anybody's mind is going to change about that. But I also think you've got to be fair, take a step back, look at the landscape and say that this coach and this program right now, and things can change in a hurry as we've seen, but they have that faith. They have, people are trusting the process. They are taking the long view in a sport, in a situation where patience is usually thin. And my thought here in training camp is what would it take to change that? What would it take for you to start to go the other way? What would it take for you to say, oh, I'm sorry, I, I just, you can have all the cute expressions you want about owies and, you know, La Familia and all the other Dinoisms. Win some games, all right? I, I, I'm not there. Because I, I don't get that sense from people. I did get that sense even in the third year of Schaefer. Like the impatience was cranking up. Like, nah, yeah, okay, great. Lock the gates and all that stuff. Can, can you win some games? People seem to have this immense faith in what Dino's doing. Every season's different. Every season tells a different tale. If they go four and eight again, boy, you better be able to to tell a great tale because I think, and I don't want to draw that bold line at six wins and say it's all or nothing because I think even five wins with X, Y, and Z with it, might be good enough to buy you at least a little bit more patience, a little bit more faith, and to trust the process. I mean, that's how I feel here on August the 7th. If they go out there and start getting their doors blown off and are not showing they can be competitive and take some steps back, and you know, things can change my mind here. It can change your mind, too. But I don't think I, I – and i got to get to a break here because uh, we have to remind J.J. Of, of the great weekend he had watching his New York Yankees coming up here. But – I feel like, I'll just use the word, I I feel like Syracuse fans trust what Dino's doing. And that's something that not a lot of coaches coming off back-to-back four and eight seasons in major college football have. But I think it's there here. It's not a complete and utter, I believe, in everything you're doing, like, you know, Trump-like faith level that people have, because in the minds of many people that, voted for the 45th president of the United States, he can do no wrong. I don't think it's on that level. I think there's still a a eyebrow that pops up of skepticism about 
certain things that have to happen. But when you have that kind of faith, you have that kind of trust, you have that kind of belief in what your football coach is doing, it makes it a lot easier to watch. 24 days till the opener. Is that how you feel, or do you say, no, I'm sorry. you got to win. You've got to get to a bowl game here. You've got to give me the next natural step here. You've got to get to six wins and get me a bowl game, and then I'll really believe in you because anything short of that is unacceptable. I wonder how that narrative is going to build as we go here. Now, on that note, we'll break because we've got to get our buddy J.J. on. And he is ready to talk some Yankee baseball. How Met fans are going to get through the next two months because you can't call up Tebow. Giants and Jets camp underway. A lot to get into. Hang in there. You're on the block. ESPN Radio. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Well, you tell him, Bobby B. Let's get it. Welcome back. Hope your Tuesday's going well. Rolling through here. Dark clouds in central New York. Be some thunder boomers today and tomorrow. I'll tell you when there's going to be a big thunder boomer. Saturday, 10:30, right outside the Onondaga County War Memorial on Montgomery Street. Team Max rightfully reclaims the cup and takes back the Syracuse Crunch Street Hockey Game title. I was feeling charitable last year. We let Nico Tamurian after three just embarrassing, horrific losses in a row, experience a little taste of victory. Rare for Nico in life to taste the victories provided. So we said, we're going to give you one. But now the dynasty returns. All right? like Party's over. Gave you a little charitable win a year ago, but now we're back, baby. Let's hit me with that fancy open. Let's do this thing. It's hot take time. We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. So hot and hot. Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. (laughs) It's time for Hot Takes on the Block. So I mentioned on uh, the show yesterday... We're in this very segment, as a matter of fact, and uh, FYI, our buddy Mike McAllister is going to join us to talk SU football and recruiting, top of the hour, so don't miss that. But I mentioned on the show yesterday, speaking of college football, that th- there was a rally being planned. There's online petitions, and there was a rally being organized, and Ohio State fans are coming out in support of Urban Meyer. And this is where, you know, look, I enjoy covering sports, I get the passion that fans have. As somebody that has voted in the Associated Press College football poll for the past six seasons, trust me, I have experienced the passion that fans have, particularly if you rank their team in a spot that they disagree with, with the advent of social media and everything. They'll let you have it, and they should. But I think, boy, I don't want to phrase this incorrectly because – Certain sports have a certain passion. I mean, watch soccer in England and certain foreign countries, and they throw fire, things on fire at each other. And there's a lot of people that you want to talk about love your life and like your sports. 
that they really need to hear this. I can find you many examples of this. But college football fans have a special kind of passion, and I think sometimes that it can blind them from reality. And here is the case of what's happening at Ohio State. Urban Meyer is a grown man who has been well compensated to coach college football, even if he doesn't get to do that another day at Ohio State. There's a couple things about Urban Meyer that are things that Ohio State fans should maybe take in consideration before they go out there and hold rallies for him at this point, knowing what we know at Ohio State. Now, an investigation's ongoing, and if we find some things that can contradict what I know and what we seemingly know, then I will come back and say I was wrong. I'll eat some crow on this, but it's not looking good. I mean, Urban Meyer has admitted he lied. And let us not forget something, okay? I know that the media, and this is a point I'm going to make here about what that really that rally was really about yesterday, but the media has kind of become its own creature. And, you know, the president rails against the media, and it's an easy target to blame. I think of that great Chris Rock bit, right? The media, the media. When Urban Meyer took the podium at Big Ten Media Day and lied about what he knew about his now-fired assistant coach, Zach Smith, he's not lying to the media He's lying to you. The media is the messenger. They are the conduit to the public. And I know that there are ways that you can get your message out there without the media these days. But in this case, like we're all in agreement here. It's media day. You're not just talking to a bunch of guys in a room with cameras and microphones and notepads. You are talking to your fans. You were asked a question about this and you lied about it. Something that Urban Meyer has admitted it was a very cleverly worded statement, but he lied. Okay. Well, people lie. It's gamesmanship. It happens a lot. There's a lot of people things can tolerate, particularly if your program wins. So then about 100 fans or so show up at this rally yesterday for Urban Meyer. Now, again, if you're going to rally a public cause these days in Columbus, Ohio, you know, maybe raising awareness for where people that are experiencing domestic violence would be my choice to rally support for something, to bring awareness to something, considering what we're hearing from Courtney Smith. But what people want to buy these days, and I think this is interesting in light of Alex Jones getting banned from several forums lately, is that you can peddle nonsense and people will buy it because it's a convenient way around the truth and a lot of the signs that were there at this rally yesterday and again i don't want to shine too bright of a spotlight on a hundred dopes but too many of these signs were about espn and brett mcmurphy formerly of espn now an independent journalist who broke this story and paul feinbaum and people in the media that were commenting about this and that's if you want to disagree with those people and challenge them that that's fine you could be just as as much scrutiny about the media as you have about anything. I don't have a problem with that, but how quickly Ohio State fans forget that Urban Meyer is ESPN's boy. He used to work there. He has cozy relationships with a number of people at ESPN. I'm going to get electric shocks in Bristol for bringing this up, but ESPN has been granted. <laughs> you want to turn the tables and say, 
that it's ESPN's fault what's going on here? They put the fired coach on their air and let him tell his story, which they probably shouldn't have done and don't have to do. But it's their fault. It's Brett McMurphy's fault. It's the media's fault for trying to get to the the root of the story, as opposed to what could be the truth. And let me stress what could be, because we don't know everything, that Urban Meyer kept the coach on a staff that he probably shouldn't have, given what's coming to light, and we'll see what the investigation brings up. But it's amazing how the media becomes this easy target these days. When all they're trying to, and the media is by no means perfect, okay, we experienced the Bernie Fine thing here and how botched that was by ESPN and Mark Schwartz, and it can happen. We're not perfect, but it amazes me that this is the rallying call. It's in, You know what? I'll give them a smidge of credit in the sense that they actually had a rally and, and made signs because it's easy to, you know, lop something off on Twitter these days, right? They made an effort. They went to CVS. They got the poster board. They got the markers. They took time and effort to do it. It's like working on your kid's school project, right? It's the only time you ever buy poster board. Your kid comes home and has to do some kind of school project, right? That and signs at college football games. It's the only time you ever see this stuff. So at least they made an effort and did it the old school way instead of just firing off things on social media. But I'm watching these losers yesterday, and I'm just like, we're not there yet. How can you just come out and grab a sign and say it's the media's fault, it's anybody's fault but maybe your coach who did something that, by the way, I get loyalty and I understand working with people over a number of years, but there's a thousand coaches that can do what Zach Smith did. And in this case, loyalty bit you square in the butt. I'm not surprised. I can't use That's hot. the word surprised here, but I can think of a number of other words that I probably shouldn't repeat on the radio. Like, this is your response. Like, Ezekiel Elliott, and let's not forget, Ezekiel Elliott had some domestic violence issues at Ohio State as well. His father shows up at this rally. And I'm going to play some audio. This is not the first time Ohio State has looked odd. This is not the first time. Ezekiel Elliott looked odd when he chose Ohio State over Missouri. Okay? So if anybody really looks into this and are not haters of Ohio State and haters of Urban Meyer, they will see the actual facts. And all of those who know Urban Meyer need to stand up and be men and speak and defend what is right. Is it right to stand up there at Big Ten Media Day and lie? Again, not to the media, to you. Is that what's... In, nobody's perfect, right? I, mean, I, I can... There's not a lot of people I can hold up on a pedestal and say that's that person's untouchable, but I don't think we're there yet. College football fans, unlike many fan bases and sports let their passion for the routine of the college football Saturday and what they enjoy doing and pride in their team get in the way of a simple thing. And that is what's right in front of their face. And what's right in front of their face right now is you're probably not at the point where you can grab signs and, and put a stake in the ground for urban Meyer at this point, but to pretend that Ohio state is like some kind of like, Yes, Michigan fans hate you, but you're also one of the most successful programs in college football. ESPN has given you kid glove treatment over the past few years. 
because Urban Meyer used to work there. Like, don't play the victim here. Something broke down on that coaching staff. They're looking into it. I think Courtney Smith is believable. If I'm proven wrong there, I will admit that. But, boy. It, That's hot. Love your life and like your sports. I cannot say it enough, even as somebody who hosts a darn sports talk show. I spent more time on that than I wanted to, to be honest with you. But it just... One person showing up and doing this yesterday bewilders me, let alone 100 people at this point. That's more important to you than finding out what really happened between Zach Smith and Courtney Smith. I mean, come on, man. I wanted to play this, too, because one thing I've said about, to switch gears to another hot-button issue that seemingly never goes away, I'm going to get much more into this as we get closer to football season, but... I think the NFL could be in trouble in two ways. Big trouble. Like ratings trouble. Like people are going to get frustrated and stop watching trouble. One is this helmet rule. Helmet rules. There's actually two new rules. And if it's not done right, people are going to get exasperated by what's being called. We'll only have frustration grow about how the game's being officiated. And I think it could affect the enjoyment of the game. I mean, think of the, exp- the the frustration we've had with officials generally about what's a catch and certain, you know, roughing calls and things that we've seen in the past few years. This helmet rule, this could be bad if it's not handled properly. And I'm not saying that, I mean, this is a noble thing the NFL's trying to do. They're trying to make the game safer, but some of the calls they've made already, I'm like, really, you're going to throw a flag on that? So there's that. And, of course, there's the anthem protest thing. And one of the people who is really stood up and and pretended to be a champion on the anthem protest thing is Jerry Jones. Now, let me reiterate here, folks. I think there should be a rule similar to the NBA. Game day, kickoff, you stand there respectfully, no protesting. If you want to do this, you can do it on your own time somewhere else. But if you're going to be Jerry Jones and you're going to try and champion yourself as somebody who's leading the cause of these players should respect the anthem, and that's the way it should be, you better be careful about how you present yourself and how you do it. Because people like Dale Hansen, who is a terrific local sports anchor in the Dallas area, will catch you when you misstep and do things like this. And he has been talking too much this week about all the problem the NFL is still having off the field. Jones and his son Stephen were saying the other day that any player who takes a knee and doesn't toe the line during the national anthem won't be playing for the Dallas Cowboys anymore. It's incredible to me that a player can beat up a woman and play for the Dallas Cowboys. A player can use illegal drugs time and time again and still play. But you take a knee to protest the racial injustice in America, and now you've crossed a line that he will not allow. Jones loves and respects the national anthem so much that when it was being played before the start of practice Saturday, he left his cap on. And when he was told about the mistake he was making, he still left his cap on. He who makes the rules apparently doesn't have to follow them. I'm Dale Hansen. Enjoy the day. There's people like Dale Hansen that will catch you. Everybody makes mistakes, but if you're going to parade yourself as, I'm the man that's going to lead the charge on this, and then you get caught in your own. <laughs> you know, you're supposed to take your hat off during the anthem. We're respecting the anthem, right? And it is amazing. It goes to the Ohio State thing, too. And by the way, pot calling the cattle black, as I fall in this category myself sometimes. 
But it's amazing what we will tolerate in sports, what we will put our foot down and say that is unacceptable, but on the other hand, we'll accept like it's normal. And I think Dale brought up a number of things there. Quickly, because I have to break here and get Mike McAllister on the phone and talk some football with him in about five minutes here, but I think it is perfect for what we said about LeBron James yesterday and his fight with Donald Trump and, you know, really picking your battles about what's dumb and, and what's not dumb. Well, LeBron James has a lot of resources to go out and do things like, you know, make documentaries and make media. How can I put this? Get his message out there in a well-funded, well-produced media way and give voice to those that some people may disagree with. And the upcoming title, I saw this today, could not be more perfect, of one of these projects, Shut Up and Dribble. I mean, that, that could not be more perfect. Thank you for that, Laura Ingram. All right, we got a break. Mike McAllister talking Syracuse football coming up. Stay right there. Thank you. Bye-bye.